that's one of the nice things about the rain is that I think we've been having this kind of problem here in San Diego. Like, you know, people are off work and they don't have anything to do. So they're like, let's go take a hike. But then they go to the popular hiking spots in town and (laughs) you can't maintain any social distancing when you're, you know, hiking out Mount Woodson with 200 other people. Hi, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of Benevolent Banter. My name is Cassie Roma. If you haven't heard the podcast before, thank you for joining us for the first time. If you are returning, wow, what a person. Today, my guest is 6,549 miles away, but we have tested our audio, and she sounds like she's sitting right here with me, just like when we were four years old. Um person on the other end of this digital recording, would you please introduce yourself? Hi, I'm Laura Perkins. I am a reader and a writer and a lover of all things wordy. I am a very good friend of Cassie's, as you can tell by that four-year-old reference. Uh, We've been best friends for a really long time. I'm really excited to be on the podcast. I live in our hometown, close to San Diego, where I am a wife and a mother of two cats. Now, I didn't actually birth the cats, just to be clear. (laughs) That would be weird. It's just like the mother of dragons, right? But Exactly. They're kind of like dragons sometimes. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) They don't actually breathe fire, but if they could, we'd be in trouble. Uh, Yes, I would say so. If cats could, if any cat anywhere could breathe fire, the world would be a different place. It really would. <laughs> birds would be even more doomed than they already are. <laughs> yes, I thought you were going to go down another tangent about birds breathing fire, and I was like, oh, shit, we're really getting into this oh, fast. No. Oh, if everything could breathe fire in the world, then we would really have a lot of problems. But hey, it's more problems. That's than we right. Have. We would be locked down like we are now. Um, yeah. yeah. You, huh. you mentioned oh. in your intro there, which I loved, you mentioned... Um, reading and books and wordy things. And I have to say my first memory of you, other than that memory uh, that my parents caught on video of licking the four-year-old birthday cake, (laughs) which we won't go into. The most shameful memory. I mean, we were made to be best friends because there you were, finger right in that icing, you know, soulmate right there. Yeah. Yeah. You know, sometimes you just got to go for the icing. Always. Like always. Always. (laughs) <laughs> but my one of my first memories of you was I think we were I'm gonna guess five I think it was kindergarten and I remember we okay. we were all sitting on the floor in the classroom and we were learning to read and I can remember at that point because I was a Montessori kid I can remember yes. and you're you know this is this the same old cast even at 38 I can remember walking into the room pretty confident like I got this I can I can read like one fish two fish red Uh fish blue fish and then you rocked in the room and you had like novels (laughs) you were like five and reading novels so my first like discernible memory of you has been uh forever ingrained with your love of reading so tell me a little bit about your first memories about that and where that came from for you Uh, Well, you know, I don't know where it originated. I know that my mom loves to read and we always just had books all the time growing up. We would be 
we lived right down the street from our local library and we would go there every week and come home with a stack, you know? And so it's, it's just something that's always been with me. One of my, I remember when I first learned to read when I was probably about four, I want to say, um, I had a book that was all about how to get ready for bed, you know, <laughs> brushing your teeth and washing your face and all those things. And I proudly read it to my dad and he was very happy that I l knew how to read it. Now, you know, being four, it's entirely possible that I had just sort of memorized the book. It was like three pages long, but <laughs> it was still a really proud moment for me. <laughs> and uh, one of my memories from, you know, early in school was in second grade, actually, Mr. Sandow's class. Mr. Sandow. And yeah. <laughs> Who we both had twice, I think, yep. right? Yep. Um, and uh, yeah, when all the other kids had reading, I would go and sit in a little closet in the back of the classroom and read like a full length chapter book. <laughs> I was reading Peter Pan. I, I remember, remember this. I do point. remember this. Yeah. <laughs> and I just loved, I was not required to sit in a closet. I just want to make it clear. The teacher did not make me sit in a closet. I just wanted to have a little reading nook. So I would close myself up in there and smelled like bologna sandwiches. And I read Peter Pan. <laughs> and you know, of the two of us for, you know, who should have been sitting in the closet at that time, I would say, um, we, we, well, <laughs> <Class clown. laughs> we well and truly, you know, flipped that narrative, didn't we? Right. <laughs> we really did. So who knew? I mean, who knew? Who knew? That's a whole other podcast. <laughs> That's a whole other podcast. That's a series of podcasts. Right That's where there. all the hands in the room go up and everyone's like, I, I knew. Did you know? I knew. She didn't know. Why didn't you tell me? What? Yeah. Come on. That was rude. Keep her hanging on like that. Gemini cricket. So, um, okay. So I can remember that. I remember you always with a book in hand. Tell me yeah. if you if you can pick one or a few. Some of my favorite books growing up were all of the Shel Silverstein books. I couldn't pick a favorite. You know, Light oh. in the Attic, Where the Sidewalk yeah. Ends, even The Giving Tree. Yeah. I just loved the, I guess, the nuance of the way that he told stories with really simple words that kids could understand, but then also that kind of like nice little groovy rhythm uh, that he gave to language. What kind of books yes. did you love? Um, when I was growing up, well, I loved those ones as well. Absolutely. Um, when I was growing up, I loved the, the Narnia books were oh. some of my favorites. I read those over and over and over and over. And the Anne of Green Gables books. Yes. Oh my gosh. Mm -hmm. I loved those so mm -hmm. much. And at some point, I think we were both in gate together in about third grade or so. Yep. And we took a, we had a Greek mythology class. Do you remember I that? I do. Oh my God. I haven't thought about this in 30 <laughs> years. Well, so I'm, I just turned my head and I'm looking at this book right now. I still have it. This book of, uh, Dallaire's book of Greek myths. Wow. And I read that book over and over and over because it, you know, the, something about the mythology just captured me. It had these amazing stories. It had these beautiful illustrations and it was like such a different culture that, you know, it was amazing to really learn about and then deepen that learning, you know, which has been something I've always loved. Yeah, I love I love that kind of stuff, too. And thinking about the way different people would have lived, the things that they thought, the way that you could even, I guess, as we get older, 
pull apart our own society as it is now and see like little remnants and echoes of the past through stories that we learned when we were eight years old. Yeah, absolutely. I think one of the really cool things about, you know, growing and learning and gaining new experiences is that you can look back and and see those things with different eyes and with new experiences so that you can better understand like, oh, that's where that came from. That's that's the root of this or the cause of this or the feeling behind this. I really like that. I really love that too. Um, for the last four weeks, so I was that really intelligent human that decided to um, quit a paying job, you know, three days before the <laughs> pandemic hit. <laughs> yes, uh, you did do that. <laughs> uh, which was actually a good thing that I pl- I had actually planned and you know this for a zombie apocalypse. Yeah. So, you know, potato, potato, right. yeah. um, we're all good. I'm in a very lucky space. But what the last four weeks have taught me is the things that we've learned in life and those stories. So even going back to Greek mythology or thinking through, I did, um, I did one of my theses, I guess that's, is that what it, if you do more than one thesis, is it theses? It's theses. Yeah. You just have to say it very precisely yeah. so that it doesn't sound like something. <laughs> that is a completely different thing to do. Uh, yes. I did not do a thesis on that. No, no, you didn't. You did theses. Yes. Very important. I did two theses, but one of them uh, yes. was on the Roman Empire. And it Ooh, was about okay. tracing back the Roman Empire. And it was like pre-Crusades, because then I concentrated weirdly on the Crusades, because the question that I wanted to answer was, when did the Roman Empire fall? And the answer was, and I still believe it never did. We're all living in it now in a different structure, in a different Ooh. form. So I feel like for the last, really for the last 20 years, but definitely for the last four weeks and like mega concentration, instead of learning, I've been trying to unlearn. So why Mm -hmm. what you Mm -hmm. just said really resonated with me about like emotion and about the stories that were told and, and society and narrative and, and how do we pick those apart and then figure out right here, right now, what's going on? Because I don't know, you and I, we've never lived through a time like this. No, we haven't. And we, you know, and all we have as our resources at hand are, you know, sort of context and stories and other experiences from other people. And if we're not paying attention to those, then we're kind of flailing, I think. And I think a lot of people are flailing right now. Yeah, um, I wanted to talk to you about that. So I talked to uh, Rob. So for podcast listeners, that's my brother, Rob. You can go back and listen to that podcast. He's um, a doctor in Detroit and it is National Siblings Day. So shout out to Rob and shout out to Brent for you. (laughs) Yay. Shout out to Brent. Um, So I wanted to to ask you how you're doing uh, and kind of see how things are different. So you and I talked before the podcast um, while we were just, you know, getting used to our tech about (laughs) <laughs> the differences. And right now, New Zealand's in a full-on lockdown. Um, it's Easter weekend. If you are trying to drive anywhere beyond your very local um, area, you will be turned back by the police. Um, but that's not happening right now in the States. No, it is not. And maybe it should, because it seems that there are some people that are getting out and about, taking road trips, pretending like this is a normal Easter weekend, time to get out of town. When it's really not, and uh, I'm not really sure what the reasoning is behind that, but um, I haven't, I haven't gone anywhere outside of 
from here to the grocery store, so I can't really say, but it doesn't sound like there have been any checkpoints, people stopping, things like that. Um, so that's kind of strange to me, I think. Yeah. How did, like, Although, how long have you guys been home for now? It's day 17 officially ooh. here. Um, we had California officially um, locked down on the 18th, I believe. Wow. Um, but I have been working from home since the 13th of March. So, yeah, it's been a full month now and my office is not reopening until at least may and i'm assuming they're going to reevaluate and keep keep everybody at home past that so i'm really lucky that i can still do my job from home um but uh so so it hasn't been that different for me i guess is one of the main answers is that i i always used would work from home at least one day a week anyway and so it's really just been a matter of like reevaluating my work day schedule but um in terms of staying in lockdown and hanging around the house yeah i'm good (laughs) (laughs) and how are you and ed um handling sharing the space or is that normal too it's it's normal too actually i i feel like uh i was a little bit worried at first because you know everybody every couple is gonna have some sort of tension sometimes when they spend too much time together but we've been really good about like giving each other space. We have a pretty tiny house, as you know, but uh, we can sort of retreat to separate rooms if we need to, but mostly we're just having a great time. You know, we're like giving each other crap sometimes and (laughs) being really kind to each other other times. So I wanted to ask you about, I wanted to talk a little bit about the idea of creativity. So a lot of people and a lot of internet memes, I am so bored with the internet right now, so it's nice to hear your voice. Yeah, right. But a lot of people are like, you should be leaving lockdown, speaking three new languages, having written that book, you know, it's time to hustle. And I'm like, fuck you. It oh, is so not. Um, but you are a very creative person and yes. your husband is a very creative person. Way more so, so than So what are you... Even. Oh, he's amazing. Um, what are you guys doing to, I guess, in the little house to re- to remain creative and to keep that creative fire burning? Well, I think both of us take it day by day. Uh, I know myself, I had today off uh, from work, Good Friday. It was kind of like, what am I going to do with this holiday? I guess I'll sleep in. <laughs> <laughs> Woohoo! Yes! Yay! <laughs> Um, so, uh, I know for myself today has been a very down day where I've mostly read and played a video game and Ed has mostly (laughs) played his video game as well. So some days we're kind of like, you know what, we're just going to chill and take it easy. Um, other days we are like really trying to focus on producing something. So, um, I have writing that I am continuously working on. It's always, it's always living in my head. Sometimes I get it down, you know, on paper, virtual paper, yeah. and sometimes it just lives in my head a little bit longer. Ed has been writing a lot of music, and uh, sometimes he will have me sing on a song that he has written, which is fun. So we've been doing that. And today he's been working on a music video just for funsies. So 
That's so I, cool. What kind of music video? I have no idea. He just, it's a song that he wrote uh, about San Diego. Um, it requires a green screen, which the cats helped him set up. And so there, I'm sure there's going to be some great cat green screen <laughs> photos coming soon. <laughs> and he's, he's going to have, uh, I don't, you know, he's going to have some sort of video of him singing in harmony. And uh, one of his harmonizing uh, personas is going to go rogue. So. That should be Oh, that I sounds know. so cool. Right? I'm really excited about it. The so I world think, needs more Ed and yes. green screens and cats. Yes. <laughs> Agreed. So I think it's really just a matter of like being unpressured. You know, yes. I think neither of us is trying to do that thing of like, I'm going to better myself every single day because you don't need that pressure. We're all going through something right now that is anxiety making and trying to force yourself to learn three new languages and write a novel every day is gonna drive you even crazier so I think yeah it's a matter of being kind to yourself and saying today I feel bubbly and creative tomorrow I might not and that's fine yeah it's an it's a really interesting one and I'm uh, I feel very very lucky to have Carly as the partner that I have because I won't um, candy coat, you know, it's been a real rough month for me right. mentally because I'm yeah. used to being around so many different people with so many different levels of expertise. And some minutes you're, you're dealing with people who are talking about data and information and just really distilling down different points of, you know, con contextual, I guess, interaction. And then at the very next minute, you're, you're talking to some like wacko executive creative director who's like, we're going to paint the sky purple and you have to take the, t you know, so, and I've gone yeah. from that to, oh, maybe I'll learn to do a podcast. And then it's like, you have to learn how to do something brand new again. And it's scary unpacking who you are without a title. It's scary unpacking mm -hmm. The fact that maybe what you've been doing for the last 20 years might not be as quote unquote essential uh, as you thought it was. Yeah. And then it's also going like to what you just said, like sometimes you just have to let the creativity flow through you without producing it. And other times when you feel like it, you produce it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and that's important. And I wanted to talk to you about that because I love that point that you made. So, and I heard um, Elizabeth Gilbert so the yes. City of Girls and, you know, Elizabeth Gilbert. Of course. Oh, Jim I Leisling. love City of Girls. Oh, my goodness. Did you laugh through that book? <laughs> I did. Oh, it was so funny. I mean, and so real and so full of heart, but it was very funny. She I really have not her. laughed so much in a book in a long time. <laughs> what a legend. Oh, she's great. Yeah. But she said something very similar to what you just said um, in a podcast that I listened to. And she said, she feels like creativity chooses each of us. And in a moment we can listen to it and we can sit with it and write it down and be the vessel kind of for which uh, it comes to life and is put into the world or it can pass us by. Um, mm. Do you feel like that is because you write a lot too. Tell us a bit about your writing and then your process. Uh, yeah. I think that for me, it's very similar to that. I think that there are, some days that I I have a lot of thoughts, I have a lot of ideas, I have a lot of things that maybe they're not quite there yet. You know, maybe it's just sort of, hmm, I wonder if this is something and I can write it down and try to work with it or I can just sort of sit with it a little bit and see if it actually is something, if it turns into anything, if it's just a fleeting like 
you know, wow, wouldn't it be weird if the world was like this? And I think everybody has those moments. And I think that they can be really interesting to play with. You can make them go further if you want them to, or you can just say like, wow, that was a weird thought. (laughs) But I think... I think for my for me, my process is I have to let things live in my head for a long time before I get them down on paper. And that's not necessarily a good thing. It's something that I have been working on, especially now that I have a little bit of extra time in my day. Like, oh, you know what? I had a thought about this. I'm just going to write it down. I'm just going to get it down so that it's out of my head and on paper so that I'm not. I think that once it's on paper it's a little bit more real to me and then I can do something else with it. You know, it's the sort of building blocks one after another. So it's something that I've been working on continuously. Basically. I think, I don't think that anybody ever gets to a point where they're like, I am perfect at creative writing and I never need to learn anything else ever. And my process is done. What an asshole whoever that person is. (laughs) Right. (laughs) (laughs) So I think that it's just a matter of like, Oh, this is working for me right now. I'm going to keep it keep it up or this isn't working for me why do I feel blocked I'm gonna do something different and so when you do feel those blocks and you decide you're gonna do something different what does that something different look like uh it depends sometimes it's really just reading a book that I know is going to inspire me I don't know if this happens for you but for me sometimes I'll read a book that makes me sort of despair because I could never write anything that good And Mm -hmm. sometimes I'll read a book and feel so inspired, like, this is the kind of thing that I need to be producing. So as long as I can pinpoint the second kind of book, then uh, I can read something like that and feel very inspired and kind of turn back to my own work with fresh energy, you know? Yeah, that is so important to have the, I guess, something to buoy you and your creative spirit to go write it down. It will matter. Even if, you know, you're the only eyes who ever reads it, it needs to be put down on paper or it does. Yeah. Virtual paper. I was just going to say your virtual paper. (laughs) I am loving how every single platform almost now that, so whether it's word or it's a note on my computer or my phone, I can actually just talk to my phone. Yes. And I'm learning that there is such a different tonality to things that I write when I speak it out loud versus when I type the words and the, yeah. And it's one of those things where if I hadn't had these last four weeks to kind of wander and ponder and, and just be with myself and go on long walks and talk to the phone, the tonality I find is a bit more sassy when I speak. And when I sit down to write, it feels a bit more like air or a little polished and upper class. And I, I do not know what is happening. I, there must be like two different people. One that um, maybe thinks a little bit longer and comes out of my fingertips and one that potentially speaks. Um, you have any little artistic quirks like that or is it just me? <laughs> no, I think that I do that too. I I have never really gotten into the habit of sort of dictating what I'm trying to write because it it always comes out a little bit different from what I was expecting, even though I'm saying it, you know, it doesn't seem like it should be different. I'm saying it. But I think for me, like if I'm sitting down to type words, then like like you said, it takes an extra second to come out and it gets a little bit more 
polished maybe. Maybe it's just that it the act of sitting down to type feels more formal, you know, this is happening now as opposed to just like opening up a note and saying, you know, what if clouds were marshmallows? Weird. (laughs) (laughs) And that's what I think too. I feel like there's maybe potentially it's the, um, the act of also having time to put proper punctuation in. Yes. Because if you're sitting there talking and you're like, and then the clouds became comma marshmallows full stop you know (laughs) yeah it's one of those things where you're like oh my god it starts to become tedious yeah it just drags you down you don't want that I I agree although punctuation is tough for me I know one of the major tips for writers is always you know get everything down and then you can go back and and fix the grammar later I can't do that I gotta fix the grammar now (laughs) same Same. as I go gonna bug me is that is that really a rule is that what people are told it is a it's it's a suggestion because it's more important to get your (laughs) ideas down you know it's it's more important to get that thought out of your head and down onto paper where something can be done with it so it's if you're going back to like fiddle with commas then you're not necessarily moving forward in whatever you're writing but I love fiddling with commas so (laughs) same uh Please tell me you're a fan of the Oxford comma. Of course. I love the Oxford comma. It's the only way to go. (laughs) 36 years of friendship hinging on one question. Right? That was just hanging in the balance right there, wasn't it? I'm so glad we were both on the same page. (laughs) This is also why I do words and not math, because we are not 40. No. Oh, my goodness. We are not. (laughs) Uh, Although I am about to have a quarantine birthday, so woo. I know. I was going to surprise you. I know. And I'm very sad that that's not going to happen. Oh, man. That's my what my husband... mom said. She she goes, oh, so you're not going to be home to surprise me this year. I was like, no, it was Laura's turn to be surprised oh, and, and no. it will not be happening. So I apologize. Next year we'll do it. Yes. Next year. And then uh, we'll be 40 soon enough and we can have a big blowout. I mean, it sounds necessary. Right? Especially now. <laughs> <laughs> especially now. Well, let's let's talk about getting older because <laughs> it's it's a it's a well, it's an interesting thing to first of all to have the privilege to sit and think about getting older because if we're it thinking is. about it then obviously we are not 6 feet under, we are above ground, we are well enough to be concentrating on that and not, you know, getting our basic needs met. But yes. Chelsea was asking me this morning um why everything cracks every time I wake or I stand up. <laughs> my knees, my ankles, everything. And I was like, well, this is kind of just what happens as you get older. Mm-hmm. And she's like, oh, what else happens as you get older? <laughs> Girl, sit down. <laughs> sit, sit down, let mama talk. Yeah. And one of the, yeah. <laughs> one of the things we talked about was, well, two of the main things we talked about, the importance of friendship, which is awesome that we're talking now. Yes. But then also like trusting your gut. It is so scary to trust your gut and to just go with things. It is. Um, but I feel like as we get older, that is the most important thing we can do as individuals is to go, actually, this this feels maybe not right or it feels awesome and I'm going to to go down a path. So I wanted to get, you know, we only see each other like once a year. What are your kind of getting older 
tips. How are you feeling about, you know, we still got a year and a bit until we're 40, but we do. Yeah. How are you feeling? Yeah. Uh, in general, pretty good. I think uh, one of the nice things about this isolation is that I've been doing more working out than I had time for mm. before. So lots of yoga. Uh, you got to hear the cracking noises when I'm getting in and out some of those poses, but that's okay. <laughs> Chelsea will be intrigued. Yeah, I should record it sometime. <laughs> but <laughs> so that like that aspect, I feel stronger than I have before, it, like almost ever, which is great. And at the same time, there's always something kind of in the back of my mind where I think this is going to make me live longer. And yes, have a better quality of life while I do. You know, yes. it's not about like, damn, I'm ready to be hot. It's about like, I want to live another ten years, so better go. Do I'm going to be able to yoga. walk when I'm seventy, right? right? Exactly. Like, so I think that sort of shift in focus is uh, it's important. I mean, it's important to be doing this. Uh, so that's kind of fun. Um, one thing that's really annoying me is that my eyebrows, I'm starting to get gray hairs in my eyebrows and I don't like it. <laughs> I just don't like it at all. <laughs> I don't, I mean, you're, you know, you're blonde. So, you know, your eyebrows are a little bit lighter than mine. Mine are super dark, so it's very noticeable, but. Well, my eyebrows, um, here's a tip or actually like a secret. I don't know if you know this. Mine are completely just tattooed on. They are so light Whoa. that I had to draw on my eyebrows for right. my entire adult life. And I'm not an artist. <laughs> so <laughs> I was like, you know what? I'm going to allow somebody who can frame my face artistically to to ink it on there. So yeah, I think that's yeah. great. No gray ones yet. Right. Well, let me know when they happen because I want to know if you're as annoyed as I am. <laughs> but I think I feel uh, like it is it is a part of what's happening to us now is that as friends and then also with our spouses we need we owe it to each other as we age to tell each other things like hey you've got a gray eyebrow or hey Cass maybe you should shave that little beard that's been growing while you're in quarantine <laughs> off because <laughs> yeah it's a it's a kindness it's the sort of thing we want to be done for ourselves. So I agree. I think it's important to be able to say those things to people. But I think, yes, uh, I yeah. What I mean, I think it's kind of a cliche. Uh, thinking back to teenage Laura, who was so, you know, worked up about how people saw her. Um, mm. It's weird to think about how much I don't care about that kind of thing now. And it's kind of a cliche to, to think about that because I remember my mom telling me, you know, someday you're not going to care about what people think of you. But it's kind of true. It, it happens. It's amazing. And I feel like, I don't know if it's just our generation because we kind of just sneak right into that kind of millennial. But I, I like yeah. the kind of zennial, that, that yeah. almost Gen X way of living pre-computers and then I would say we're digital natives for the most part because yeah. we've grown up now yeah. with this in our working lives, but it feels like we've, we're lucky. We've come to that at quite a young age. Um, I'd say for since maybe about 35, mm -hmm. I'm just like devil may care if, if you like me or not, that's up to you. Um, there've been quite a few moments in the last three or four years where people have done things that just do not sit well with, uh, my ethics and my values. Mm -hmm. And even though they have been good friends, 
I've been able to say to them, hey, this doesn't align and be really honest. This doesn't align with my values right now. And my values, you know, are honesty and kindness Mm -hmm. and doing the right thing. And all three of those aren't happening. So until they happen, um, we're just not going to be able to continue. And man, those conversations suck and they're hard, but I feel like when you, you don't give a damn about what other people think. And that's, that's like a wide ranging statement. Yeah. I care what my wife thinks. I care yeah. what you think. If you, if you looked me in the eye, which you did at one point and said, what the fuck are you doing? <laughs> I would listen. <laughs> right. Remember that conversation? <laughs> I do actually. In a bar in West Hollywood. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Yep. Uh, yeah, it led to yeah. good things. It was an important conversation. <laughs> you know, it was it was the conversation that probably changed everything because it oh. was like, oh, <laughs> if my best friend is going, you're not a failure, yeah. then maybe I should stop thinking that about myself. And yeah. I think it's a blessing of our age group that I wouldn't call us woke, but we're waking. <laughs> we're waking. I think I think it's tough to say that we're woke because I think that it's always a process. It's always waking. Hmm. I think you're always yeah. trying to better yourself in that way and expand your intuition and your ideas. Uh, because if you're yeah. not doing that, then what are you doing? Well, that's it. I feel it. And that's another thing too, that gets me is that I still look sometimes maybe cynically at other people and not judgy, not judgy, but just mm-hmm. kind of cynically. And especially folks who are, who are just racing for that money. And you mm-hmm. know, that I've, I love LinkedIn right now as a social media platform for connecting with people as authentically as you can online. But I also just loathe it for how often people are shouting about what you need to be and how they just want to, you have to hustle to be worthy and your Mm -hmm. title makes you important. And unpacking all of that has been a blessing in disguise. Yeah. Um, Yeah. I feel like it's, it's hard to watch other people find that aspect of life important and maybe what we're going through now uh globally is going to change the way we look at things i i really hope it does because look at how we're starting to see people who are not you know the ceos and the top level people like the janitors and the nurses and people who are you know grocery clerks keeping the world going right now maybe that's the sort of thing that some people need to see at this time and that will that's right carry them through. I'm hoping that that is the case. Yeah, it's for me I love I both love and loathe the the term essential because yes. <laughs> what it, what is meant for me and my ego is that I am completely and utterly non-essential. Right. And that's that's fine. You know that's great because what it's made me do and I've always been somebody who's been very, very respectful and thankful and grateful for people who pick up our trash, mm-hmm. who clean the public restrooms that people use and can be real assholes about, yeah. who are our doctors, our nurses, those the 18-year-old kids right now at the grocery stores who are, who are putting themselves at just as much risk as medical professionals. Yeah. Like, they're actually heroes. So they are, they are yeah. essential. So for me, this has been an interesting time to go, okay, you're really struggling now with the fact that you're non-essential. Hello, ego. <laughs> and those are just words and labels. But at the same time, I started looking online the other day. Carly sent me a few links because I'm like, maybe I should be a doctor. Maybe I Ooh, should be a nurse. Yeah. And I was like, oh, 
And then I went, you know what? It's going to take 10 years to do that. I might practice for 20 years. I've got 20 years of experience in something else already. So now it's been a great little mind shift to go, okay, how do I use these skills to help people who are essential now? What can I do to be a tide that lifts all ships, even if it's just one ship that that rises? You know what yeah. I mean? So I've, it's been an interesting, interesting time of growth, I think, for all of us. That's wonderful. I think I think you're in a great position because, you know, well, you're in the same position as quite a few people who now have lost their jobs or have been furloughed. I mean, obviously, you left your job by choice, but there are, I think there are a lot of people who are probably thinking about that, you know, oh, I'm, I'm not going to have a job to go back to. Do I still need to define myself by that? And I hope mm. the answer for some people is no. Yeah. And I'm, you know, it's fascinating. I don't know what's happening in the States, like how clear the plan is or the process is moving forward. I know the New Zealand government and um, bless Jacinda Ardern and, and oh. everybody who's been working here. Um, they came up with a pretty good, pretty solid plan to help people financially. And it's, you know, I've, for years, people have said here, uh, more of the conservatives have said, you know, there's there's a stockpile of money. We have extra money around. Spend it. And she was kind of like, oh, no, there'll be a day we'll need this. Oh. And now the day has come. So, I mean, God bless the woman. Wow. But in the States, I read this morning that there are 16 million people who are now um, looking for government assistance. And that yeah. is the highest it's been since the Great Depression. Yeah. Um, 1982 was the last highest with, I think, 10 million Um what is it what is it looking like are you are you feeling any of this kind of um tension or do you know anybody who's lost their jobs and are are down and out i do know a few people who have lost their jobs uh, or i do know a few people who have been furloughed um as well so i don't know if that's kind of false hope or if it is actually going to be a job when they get back uh when things mm -hmm. get back to normal but it's I think there's a general undercurrent of anxiety. And once again, I'm extremely fortunate that my job is currently safe. We recently, uh, just on yesterday, had a meeting with our CEO where he kind of, you know, assured everybody that no layoffs are coming. We want to keep things going as, as normal, basically. But it's a lot to think about, you know, 16 million is a number that our brains can't really even comprehend. And no. to think about the fact that that many people are now just out of luck, out of work. Are they going to pay rent this month? And the fact that our government has been less than helpful in a lot of ways is not really making You're that any easier. such a nice person. <laughs> Uh, you know, I don't know how much time we have left here. I don't think it's very long, and I don't think you want me to get started on the whole soapbox issue. Oh, I actually, my next bullet point is <laughs> politics 2020. Like, actually, that's my next bullet point <laughs> because I'm where where I kind of wanted to go with this too is it is and same with the New Zealand. It's um it's an election year in the states, and yeah. I was reading about Wisconsin and yeah. the fact that people had to go and literally vote in the primaries in person. And yeah. the idea of just a crumbling democracy as somebody who was born and raised a proud American to watch from afar and to read what's going on and to see it, it's breaking my heart a little bit. And it's you know, how, how are you experiencing it right now? 
Uh, it's breaking my heart a lot too. Uh, it's really hard to see. It's really, it's really hard to think about the fact that this, this could really mean another four years of a Trump presidency, uh, which is not something I want to contemplate. Uh, he's trying really, really hard to suppress uh, voting by mail because mm -hmm. for the explicitly stated reason that that usually doesn't go well for Republicans. Um, and if we are able, and my the candidate that I wanted has dropped out. So I saw that yesterday. <laughs> yeah. Heartbreak. So it's really tough to be optimistic about politics in general in America at the moment. But even more so now, it's been it's been really tough. I have to stop myself from refreshing the news. I have to kind of take breaks so that I'm not just letting it all kind of crash down on my shoulders. Because if it does, then it's tough to see how we're going to come through this with a functioning democracy. Uh, yeah. Does it feel like, like American politics right now is a train that some people are on and it's just going to go the way it's going to go. The tracks are already set and there's nothing that people can do about it. Or does it feel like actually, cause I've always felt that somebody our age or our age group would be the generation that would go, it's not so binary. It's not just red and blue. There are different ways of looking at politics, which is exactly what the founding fathers all those years ago <laughs> hundreds <laughs> the biggest thing they feared was was a two-party a bipartisan system yeah and that's exact, what we've got yeah they feared this exact situation where everybody is so focused on you know hating on the other party that that nothing actually gets done i think that i think that the tracks the train tracks are being laid but i do agree that things can change it's just going to take a big shift in a lot of thinking. It seems to me that our generation is more likely to think about a different way. And it's really just a matter of getting more people on board. Maybe what's happening now is the sort of thing that will start changing those minds. I mean, right now we're seeing a huge crisis and not a lot of help from the top and a lot of, you know, partisan back and forth and nobody likes that nobody likes seeing that so i'm hope especially I'm when yeah yeah especially when um the case numbers and the deaths in the united states now have um superseded that of china and europe yes, so and that's mostly in new york city as well which is just it's mental when you yes. start to see like the drone images and you, you see the mass graves and you go, holy shit, that is, that is our backyard. That yeah. is our country. Yeah. And you go, how important now is, is politics in the traditional sense? You know, I mean, what, when we were born, it was Reagan, right? We went mm -hmm. Reagan, Bush, Clinton, Bush, <laughs> <laughs> lots of Bush in our lifetime. We <laughs> yeah. won't go there. Um, Obama and Trump. I mean, you never could have guessed that unless you were the Simpsons. No, and it yeah, just, they always predict. It's everything. like more of the same, right? Even yeah. I mean, Obama was a little breath of differentness, a little yeah. breath of fresh air, but it's just more of the same. And I was thinking this morning, um, 
while out on my walk about what's it going to take? What kind of a person is it going to take to stand up and go, look, I'm going to listen to everybody. I've got two ears and one mouth. I'll use it in proportion. Yeah. And one day I might really like what a Republican congressman says. I might like what a, Demo- a Democratic congresswoman says. I might work with a green Senate. I might have, you know, all of these things. How are we going to get to that point? Because it feels like that's exactly the tipping point we need. It does. I mean, I would say that how we get to that point is probably some sort of huge crisis that makes it impossible for us to keep on as we have been. So is this that huge crisis? I mean, we haven't seen a bigger one in quite a while. So I'm hoping that that's the case. And it really, I think it comes down to right now, who is helping people and who is not. Yes. Yeah. Um, Wow. That's, (laughs) that's, I mean, when you simplify it down, you're, Wow, that makes my heart really heavy. Yeah. Uh, actually, who's who's helping and who's not? Um, yeah. yeah, I've been seeing, again, New Zealand has some really just real clever, clever marketers and advertisers. And I, I tweeted something yesterday of very similar lines about like, I do not need your tips and tricks about <laughs> being more creative or making lockdown less boring. I need you just to help people eat yeah. and breathe and live and it's getting colder here and be warm. And if you can't do those like bottom of the hierarchy of needs pyramid things, then shut the fuck up. Like actually you just need to help. Yeah. We don't, you know, we don't need more like memes about how everybody's bored and we don't need tips about how to, yeah, do some new crafts for your kids. We need, we need help and people need help. One of the things that some of my teacher friends were so heartbroken about when they closed the schools was there are some kids who can only eat at school. How are they going to eat now that school is closed? Who is helping them? And these are the things that I think hopefully that people will start focusing on now because we have to, we have to. Right. It feels like a time that's ripe for a reinvention of uh, we over me because when we look at, you know, the primacy of profit leading business and, and, you know, lining the pockets of shareholders and all of those things that we could also probably talk about for a day, it feels like (laughs) our lives have been very, very, what, what do you want to be when you grow up? What do you want out of life? Me, 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 I need the thing. I need to buy that. It needs to be here in the next eight hours. I need it. (laughs) You know, you, you don't need it. What do we need? What do we need? Yeah. I have been so heartbroken because I feel like in the back of my mind, I knew that so many kids in the United States and even here in Australia, New Zealand, this part of the world, I didn't know how many kids were hungry all the time. I didn't, yeah, you, yeah the, the numbers are just devastating. And they are. yeah, hopefully this, this will be the kick up the ass that the world needs to go. Let's look after each other. Yeah. I mean, I think we're not going to create a Star Trek style society overnight. But if we, like you said, if we start shifting that focus towards what do we all need, I think that is a really good start as opposed to the me, me, me thing that has been going on for so long. Yeah. I love that you just dropped in the Star Trek reference. (laughs) You know, I'm a nerd. (laughs) This is amazing. All right. Well, I have, um, I have four quick fire questions for you, which I did not tell you about. But oh, I think no. That, I think that this will be fun. All right. Um, so four quick fire questions. 
just whatever comes to your mind. Okay. okay? Yep. All right. What's your biggest hope for 2020? Changes, big changes in the way we look at the world and our place in it. Ooh, I think that you will get that. <laughs> I <hope> um, so. <laughs> best quarantine binge. So whatever it is, if it's a book, if it's a Netflix show, what what is your quarantine must binge? Oh, uh, so Ed and I came into quarantine um, having like right in the middle of watching How I Met Your Mother. Oh, have you ever seen that show? No. It's very fun. It has nine seasons, so we have been watching it for the entire time that we've been in isolation. So if you're looking for something that's going to last quite a while, then How I Met Your Mother. But uh, I also have to say Shit's Creek. Two thumbs up. Oh, Shit's Creek. Those are both on our list. Oh, And then the third it. season of Ozark. Yeah. Yes. You've. Uh, I, I heard that Shit's Creek is like um, pretty popular for streaming right now because it's very like heartwarming it's funny and it's also very sweet and that's the sort of thing that people need right now so that is right we need that that as hannah hart calls it reckless optimism reckless optimism that's what we need how cool is that how cool is that she's got like t-shirts that say practice reckless optimism and i'm like yes queen yes yes i'm there for that i love it that, that is my only job in this world is to like show up and look people in the eye joyously and just be reckless with my optimism. Oh, it's perfect. It's perfect. Love it. All right. Best quarantine snack. Ooh. Oh, again, luckily I went to Costco about uh, early in the month before anything started really happening. And I got us a container of those peanut butter pretzels. Oh, <laughs> they're so Costco. good. I know. Oh. I'm sorry. I'm you know, sorry. mom used to just go to Costco. <laughs> I know. It's, you're, you're really killing me here, Smalls. <laughs> well, I haven't been there in six weeks, uh, but those peanut butter pretzels are still going strong. Wow. I know. You just, you well know, done, you. Yeah. You only eat a few at a time and they really, they keep you going. So that's my number one quarantine snack recommendation. See, this uh, is why you're doing so well in quarantine because you have that kind of like intestinal fortitude. Right. I would have had them gone in two days. <laughs> well, luckily, uh, Ed would have had them gone in two days also. So luckily, uh, I was able to tell him, do not eat these all at once. We need to make them last. Um, I have a second quarantine snack that just arrived today, which is goat cheese from my cousin's goat dairy. Uh, yeah. So. Oh, is that your cousin's goat dairy? I yeah. saw the pictures on your, uh, on your, on your Facebook. Uh-huh. Yeah, jumping into goat cheese. She's doing deliveries, uh, or not oh, deliveries, yum. but you know shipments. So, yeah, it's good stuff. So what <laughs> do you? So what do you eat with the cheese? Do you put it on crackers? Do you eat it on its own? You can eat it on its own. You can eat it on crackers. You can eat it on baguettes or pitas or oh, stop. Yeah. <laughs> she has these little like <laughs> cheese curds that are just perfect on their own. Just pop one in your mouth and oh the best oh my goodness sakes okay question number four okay this this one's a little bit of a deeper question so what would be your best um advice for people who might be having a bit of a rough time who might be struggling right now well my my way of looking at things is to always try to see a bright side and 
that comes directly from my parents who every day when they drop me off at school would say, make it a good day. Don't have a good day, make it a good day. And I think that everybody should probably keep that in mind right now. You're not necessarily going to have great days or exciting days or days where things happen that might not ordinarily happen, but you can still make it a good day. And I think that's really important to keep in mind. I think this is why we get along. (laughs) I think so too. Because it is, it's, we get to choose. That doesn't mean at all points in time are we like happy little dancing unicorns, but we can make the best of it. I know this morning I was kind of like, even Carly said, are you down? Mm -hmm. And I was like, she keeps saying you're in a rut. And I'm like, I am not in a rut. I'm in a funk. It's different. <laughs> it, it, is, it is different. I don't think you're in a rut. You're, you're doing a lot of creative stuff, but it's still very easy to be in a funk with circumstances yeah. like this. But yeah, I mean, the funk, yeah. I think, yeah. Yeah, I think the funk is like knowing that my brother's in now every day treating <sighs> active COVID cases and trying to save lives and by by rights, putting his own life at risk. I think that's funk worthy. And then just like, sometimes there's a little bit of guilt in knowing that we're safe and we're warm and we're fed, maybe overfed and some (laughs) people aren't. So yeah. yeah. Um, But it was one of those things, like you said, you you make it a good day. You turn on Alton and you dance around the living room and you make it good, right? Yeah. And you, you know, the, the flip side of feeling guilty for for having so much when other people don't is being grateful, of course. And, you know, when you have that conscious moment of gratitude, it it can really change things around and and really snap you out of a funk, I think. And, you know, <laughs> like, oh, hey. God, I love you. <laughs> oh. I, it's so I really, true. It's yeah, so true. Yeah. I think being grateful, being like finding something to like every day or finding something to be happy about laughing with your spouse, dancing in the kitchen, whatever it is. There's always something. Yesterday we decided we were going to make chocolate chip cookies. I don't know if you saw this. I did see some pictures. Mm. Yeah. And I, it's Betty Crocker. It's literally three steps. Add an egg, put some butter in, go. And for some reason, I skipped the middle bits that said, um, stir everything up with a spoon. And I read, use your hands. Oh, yeah. So I used my hands. Everything stuck. So I added water (laughs) to get things off. And then because it looked a bit wet, I added an egg and some flour. And we'll just say, like, we made we. That was the royal we, obviously. Yes, of course. Uh, because Chelsea and Carly will not take any kind of ownership of this. <laughs> I made some chocolate chip cookies that smelled amazing until we realized uh, they were burned and it was like <laughs> biting a piece of concrete. <laughs> and we sat there and we laughed and I thought, what? How, how lucky are we that we're not crying because we just ruined the last thing that we had? Right? Um, yes. You know? And you made your house smell like cookies, even if they didn't taste good. <laughs> oh man, have you? Did you try the New Zealand cookies when you were here? The chocolate chip cookies? Oh yes, they're so good. Yeah, they're delicious. They are they're amazing. Delicious. They're uh, like shortbread more than our gooey ones. They're like yeah, they, shortbread, yeah, crunchy, kind of crumbly. Yeah. yeah. Oh yeah, they're really good. I actually, I think cookies is. I'll go for it. Oh, my mom delivered some cookies to my door uh, <gasps> last week. 
some chocolate chip cookies, oatmeal chocolate chip. That's her specialty. Oatmeal chocolate chip. <sighs> oh my God. Were they gooey? They were gooey and chocolatey and perfect. Yes. Oh, Marty. <laughs> oh, you legend. She's such a great baker. It's very, it's very nice to have her around baking things and bringing them over. <laughs> I think we should shout out to your mom and dad for just being awesome human beings. Yeah, shout out to my mom and dad for being awesome human beings and for weathering this storm with grace. Yeah, yeah. Isn't that an amazing thing to watch too? Um, With parents, my brother and I both uh, thought we were going to have to double team fill the thrill, yeah, especially, but also my mom um, to say, you know, stay home. This is really important. And nah, they've been amazing. And they've said, no, no, we we get it. We're going to stay home and we're going to be safe because- we can see that it, this is important that we do so. So to see your parents uh, in a different light has been an amazing uh, part of this journey as well. Yeah, that's wonderful. It's great to be able to say, oh, yeah, I do respect you for lots of reasons, you know? Yeah, like <laughs> genetics and raising me and yeah. also because you're actually just nice, amazing, yeah. smart human beings. Yeah, there, there's a lot to, to be grateful for there. That's for sure. It's wonderful. That's right. Well, uh, we have we have talked each other's ears off as we tend to do. Um, <laughs> it happens. I wanted to thank you so much for your time and for clicking the correct link. Uh, I was in the Laura <laughs> podcast, not the Laura podcast. So I look forward uh, thank to you hearing for that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it hasn't been recorded yet. I'm right. sure it'll be awesome. <laughs> um, but right here, right now, I just. Uh, really wanted to thank you for your time and to just tell you I miss you so much and I'm so sad that uh, we're not going to see each other in the, what is it going to be 10 days from now yeah Crimini. yeah I know um, 12 days and sad. have Ed hug you and tell Ed that that's a hug from me and then you hug him and tell him that's the, a hug as well and then we've all hugged each other I love that please tell Carly to hug you from me And thank you so very much for inviting me on your podcast. It was so fun. I'm really glad that I I think we should do this again. I think we should too. We obviously (laughs) have a lot. I'm so glad. (laughs) I'm so glad you clicked the right link. (laughs) Technology. (laughs) Yes, queen. (laughs) But yeah, I miss you tons. And I am really glad that we are both being safe in our respective homes, even if it means we can't see each other. We are amazing humans we are we are kindness warriors (laughs) (laughs) that's right that's right okay i love you very much i love you too and uh take care you too talk to you later